listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and now on to the episode. All right. Hello, my beautiful and lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylit. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Pornsek Pichesho, author of the graphic novel series, The Good Asian. But before we start, I want to remind you that Skylight Books is currently opening, but we are following the CDC mandate. So please bring your masks with you and be very aware and respectful of both the employees working there and your fellow customers. But please come on by. We're so excited. We would be so excited to see you. We're also um, uh, we're also online on our website www.skylightbooks.com for online ordering and on our website for both shipping and picking up in the store. So please check that out as well. Pornsack Show is a Thai American writer of comics and TV. His comic book series, Infidel, has been listed on NPR's Best Horror Stories of All Time, featured on 20-plus Books of the Year lists, including NPR, Barnes & Noble's, Huffington Post, and The Hollywood Reporter, and optioned for a feature film by Sugar23 and TriStar Pictures. His new book, The Good Asian, has launched to industry acclaim. As, as a TV writer, his work includes Marvel's Cloak & Dagger, Two-Sentence Horror Stories, and Light as a Feather. For a sec, it's so I'm so excited to have you on today. This is going to be so much fun. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this. No problem. No problem. I'm so excited about this too. I love I love having graphic novel writers on the podcast. I, as a comic book nerd myself, I'm just like yes. I I tell um, fellow podcast producer Natalie all the time. I'm just like, hey, graphic novel, they're in, they're in, get them on the pod. <laughs> I want them on. Put my name next to it, and I will fight anyone else. <laughs> That's amazing. Right. Yeah. How's your day going today? It's going good. I mean, you know, the world is on fire as it as, mm-hmm. as it has been recurringly. But my per- yeah. my personal life is, has been fine today. That's good. Just That's good. trying to get work done and miss the world being on fire. Yeah, or underwater, as part mm. of it is right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or underwater. Or underwater. underwater. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. But it's fine. We'll we'll um we'll pretend that's not happening right now. There we go. We'll pretend it's yeah, not yeah, happening. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll pretend. I mean. Like if you hear crackles of fire behind us, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, Things yeah, are fine. Yeah, yeah. Things are fine. Everything's. Yeah, yeah. It's we like, can, it's we the, can push past the flames and do this. Exactly. It's that. It's that. Um. Meme. This is. It's fine. This is fine. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That'll be exactly. it in a in a literal way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, I'm so excited to talk about the good Asian today. This is. Thank you. This is gonna be. Um. I'm. I mean, you're. This is a great story. Can you to start off? Can you tell us like, the origins of writing the story like were was this something that you've been thinking about doing for a very long time or even just like something that you didn't even realize was going to be this specifically but you knew something like this was coming 
I so what happened for me was um, uh, gr- growing up. Uh, so I self-identify as Thai American, even though I'm Chinese on my father's side. And the reason for that is that growing up, whenever my parents would fight about politics, Thai politics mm-hmm. specifically, my dad, whenever he was going to lose, would be like, "Ah, oh, that's the problem with you Thai people. And then my mom <laughs> would get very offended and she'd be like, you're Thai. And then my dad would be like, I'm Chinese. And she's like, you, can't, you don't speak Chinese. You've never been to China. Don't give me all this Chinese stuff. You're Thai. You, got, you have to deal with it. And so as my, as in, as my father in his later years, he would get more and more obsessed with his sort of Chinese heritage. And, you know, I, whenever I would go home, he'd be watching a documentary about Chinese dams. And like, mm-hmm. it was always China's the future, China's the future. And when he eventually passed, part of me sort of dealing with the loss was to, you know, learn more about this stuff that, that he was so obsessed with later in his life. And mm-hmm. my interest being, you know, pop culture, Americana, I found myself gravitating. The thing I always find surprising is, as opposed to learning more about Chinese mythology or actual history in China, my interests end up drifting towards Chinese American history. And that's how I learned about the Chinese Exclusion Act uh, in 1882 and the Immigration Act in 1924. And I was kind of embarrassed I learned about it pretty late in my life, yeah. you know, as, as an Asian American man. And so, and, and so that kind of, you know, bounced around in sort of my, in my head. And it hit because I had this sort of pop culture adult brain, it mm-hmm. collided with my memories of things like Charlie Chan and Mr. Moto and, you know, uh, Mr. Wong Detective. And how in the 1930s, the Asian crime solver was actually a very popular genre. Mm-hmm. And it was ironic to me that the genre was as popular as it was, Charlie Chan was as popular as it was during a time when Asian immigrants couldn't come into America. Right. And so that's when you know, that my fascination with that kind of led me to, to, to do a story that was sort of a noir story, a noir detective following an Asian detective and kind of use the contemporary racial lens of today to sort of examine sort of, you know, what, what that would be like. And so, you know, the way I kind of describe the book is I, I just kind of describe it as Chinatown noir, you know, this mm-hmm. 1936 detective story in the style of Philip Marlowe or Sam Spade that features the first generation of Americans that uh, grew up underneath an immigration ban and featuring mm-hmm. a Chinese American detective who in the tradition of noir is self-loathing and flawed and mm-hmm. goes on a routine case to find a girl and then stumbles into a, mist- a murder and a conspiracy that sort of involves everyone he knows. And so, and that, and so it was to sort of take those pieces and to kind of, you know, take what we know now about, you know, racial identity, about, about policing and police reform and kind of like apply it to that character in that world at the time. I, wow, I mean, that, that all is great. That sounds like a great (laughs) reason to make this story. And I kind of, and I want to go back to something you said um, about like, not knowing about this, um, the immigration mm-hmm. brand and not being, I feel like that's something, there's a current conversation about that where like, it's its the growing up in America, especially during, um, you know, the 80s, 90s, early t- 2000s, like there's, I mean, even before that, this like American revisionist history that yeah. we've been taught in school and stuff. Like, like I know that like there was this, a, year or two ago a lot of people were learning about what the what happened in Tulsa Oklahoma Mm -hmm. um 
I was just having a conversation with a friend and we were like, wow, it was crazy when we learned that America lost the Vietnam War because yeah. no one talks about it in the school. There's so many examples of this. Yeah. And I think there's a there's something happening right now where it seems to be falling on the shoulders of, of writers and graphic novel writers and TV writers and all of this to like teach people, hey, this is what they're not teaching you in school, or this is what we weren't taught in school. But the truth is, like, I, I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like, what, what is, how, how does it make you feel to be like one of these people who's like, oh, I want to show people about, I want to tell people about this thing that they might have not have learned in school, or they might currently not be teaching in school. And this kid might, a kid might pick it up and be like, what? Yeah, so I mean, the the desire to like educate is is always you know is is always attractive, and it's definitely mm-hmm. a sort of big part of the book. But I think for me too, I think the other thing, and it's certainly where I came from with the book, mm-hmm. is that the the book w- was an interesting way to exor- examine where we are today. With so many things that the book is about, whether it's immigration bans or police brutality or mm-hmm. just uh, you know racial identity, they're all things that we are. At, actively having those discussions today in in contemporary society. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was interesting for me was that I wanted to talk about Asian American identity now and Asian American themes and what does that even mean? You know, what are those questions? And I found out that it was hard to talk about that without acknowledging Asian American history and then it was realizing that um, because we haven't talked about Asian American history, we're, we don't have the vocabulary to talk mm-hmm. about Asian American identity now. And that's for me a lot of where it came from. So there's absolutely a big desire on my part to sort of educate, but there's also in, in many ways, it's to lay the foundations for a conversation. And it's a conversation mm-hmm. I'm having with myself as well. Mm-hmm. As I look, you know, one of the exciting things I find about the book, it's coming out during a time like, I'm going to go see Shang-Chi this weekend. And, you know, and, and there's all this sort of stuff there. And the idea of Asian American protagonists in popular culture is becoming more of a conversation. And the, and the, there is this question of, you know, what are Asian American themes? What are mm. Asian American ideals? What is Asian America's place in th- this bigger conversation we're having about mm. race? And it's a very live conversation. And it's been very interesting that the book is coming out while we're having, and it, it was always meant to sort of reflect that conversation right. as well as, 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 as I'm listening to it and, try, and mm. try to think like, well, what, you know, what does all this mean? And for me, where I had to start off with was, well, let's look at something like, to me, the Chinese Exclusion Act, the Immigration Act of 1924, that very much informs where we are now and, and where the conversation is now, how yeah. little so much of it has changed in almost a hundred years. And, and so it was about covering all that ground. So if for, mm-hmm. for my own sake, to just be able to educate myself about how to have that conversation and where to look for the answers to the questions I'm looking for. And like, I mean, talking about this past year, yeah. I mean, there was a huge conversation about um, the level of racism towards and how it's, I mean, publicly like seen yeah. in in like, I mean, from the president, from yeah. the former, I mean, the former president, but the person who was president before this current president, right. but um, and like the tax on the Asian American community yeah. here and everything, you must have been, I, I to have like your book, this book come out or 
like you know the collection come out and you know be this upfront asian american thai american writer writing about this and so you know in forward in this um and have your face kind of in this too your face yeah. i'm not saying this right you're have be face forward in this like yeah. how did that feel for you like did you feel like your work changed or changed for you in that way uh it, it, there, there's a bunch of facets to that question i mean the first answer was it felt really surreal you know i had you know i this book has been i've been working on this book for a while and it was before, you know, COVID. It was before any of this sort of stuff, sort of stuff kind of erupted to become news. Mm -hmm. And and again, at the time when I had come up with the book, you know, I thought the timely aspect of the book was the fact it was talking about immigration bans. Like mm -hmm. I thought that would be like the hot topic aspect of the book. Right. And so, and and that was my link to talk about all this stuff about Asian America that I wanted to, to talk about. And mm -hmm. then what ended up happening is we, uh, you know, the book is a collection of the first four issues. The first issue mm -hmm. came out in May for, you know, in time with Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, right. But it was announced in February and it was announced in, I want to say, the third week of February. And mm -hmm. it was around that third week that um, there were more attacks on elderly people in mm -hmm. Chinatown. There were already a lot and they spiked because uh, old elderly people, elderly people were depositing their Lunar New Year money. And mm -hmm. so and so muggers saw them as sort of prey and and right. and, and there was a spike in, in in attacks. And around that time on Twitter and on social media, a lot of Asian Americans were calling out about this and how the news wasn't covering it. And mm -hmm. the news and it kind of just hit this tipping point where you know, I think, I don't know who, what, where were the first, what the first mainstream news outlet was. The first one I remember was NBC, but that might, that I'm sure that wasn't the first, but it mm -hmm. had just sparked national coverage. And that happened the week we announced the book. And mm -hmm. so it was a really surreal experience for me and, a, and a, an uncomfortable experience for me, because even though I had been living in this book for so long, having this extra context of what was happening in the world right now, on mm -hmm. the one hand, it was related enough that I could not talk about it because that was part of the problem. At the right. same time though, uh, it wasn't, it's not like the book is about those things specifically because it's about right. a time before that. And and so there's a part of me that felt guilty to, to connect the book to that because mm -hmm. it felt like I was being exploitative. And so it took a long, and, and I'm not gonna lie, like in my early interviews, I feel like you can kind of see me kind of lose my mind a little bit in terms of mm -hmm. like, what is the right way to talk about this? What is the sensitive right. way to talk about this? And right. what I eventually landed on was, you know, it took some time, it took more of this sort of stuff to happen and a little bit of remove, but it, it, I eventually got to the place where the stuff that we're talking about the book it is part of a history that sort of leads up to this, what this past year, and honestly, what's still mm -hmm. happening right now about how, you know, Asian Americans have, have never felt comfortable speaking out for a variety of reasons. And, and it's been a long history that has kind of gotten us to, to this point that we're at now. So it's been a surreal experience to have all this sort of stuff happen and try to figure out to what degree the book talks, talks about it. The good news is this book, and again, part of the reason why I chose 1936, part of the reasons why I chose so much of what, what, where the book goes was to be a reflection of the current time. And right. this was before COVID, this before, you know, stop Asian hate hashtags. And mm -hmm. so it was interesting to find that those, those mirror opportunities were all still there. 
I just needed to tweak some dialogue here and there to lean in a little harder and mm -hmm. a little heavier to an audience that might be a little bit more informed to some of the conversations that are happening right now. Right. And I mean, yeah, like to set it in that time, but also to have that main character be like of the time and, yeah. you know, remind me of like a, like a real, um, just, you know, noir self-loathing character too, but like something about him also being this Asian American, uh, this Asian American character during this time period too, felt like a new twist on that, like a, very um a very contemporary uh reason for that what was it like writing a character like that and like you know take taking influences from these noir characters it was interesting i mean writing the book in general involved sort of a lot of research and writing mm -hmm. edison it took a while to get his to get his voice right um right. you know you want it to be to evoke the classic noirs at the same mm -hmm. time though I think when most people think about noir, they think, or noir narration, they think Raymond Chandler prose. Right. And that can very get, easily get into self-parody if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of, you know, there was a lot of research. A lot of research uh, was involved. You know, uh, he's very much, the character is very much based on the inspiration for Charlie Chan, uh, mm -hmm. the first Chinese American detective, Chang Aparna, who was a, uh, Chinese American cop in Hawaii, and he mm -hmm. was the first. Um, he was the he was the first uh, Chinese Asian American police officer. Um, there was a lot of reading on sort of like you know what black officers go through in you know, in, mm -hmm. in, in, in black communities and and the and the struggles there. So mm -hmm. it was pulling from a lot of different lot of different places, and and then taking all that. And again, the thing that I enjoy about doing stuff like this in genre is that there are notes you need to hit in order mm. for um in order for it, it, it you there are tropes that you need to hit in order for it to feel like the genre and if you do it right there they are features not bugs if you do it right they they they're a chorus and they can they can echo and they can resound and so there's things that work itself out very nicely so you know a self-conscious self-loathing asian sort of man which i know lots of and and mm. it's an aspect that's very much a reaction to sort of pop culture and what you sort of don't see well that became something I wanted to explore. But then also like the noir archetype of like, oh, the self-loathing cop who's burnt out and you know, he redeems himself with one last case. They mm -hmm. kind of lined, lined it themselves up nicely. So it's a little bit about taking a, some of the moves and some of the, honestly the music that you know and just informing it with all these new details that come from, that come from research. And I mean, yeah, it just, the, read, like it reminds me of like how a lot of a lot of comic book artists or writers, sorry, and graphic novel writers are doing this, or people just like in that world are doing this right now, where they're saying, "Oh, this conversation needs to be had in this medium," yeah. as well as like because it's it's happening. It's something that yeah. like readers want to see. Readers who haven't seen themselves. I it reminds me of um, me watching the uh, new Watchmen series, right? And being like, oh wow, black. <laughs> it's black. It's really yeah. black. It's and yeah, having yeah. a good conversation about being black in in America and like the history, the how the history of everything affects us today. And that's what I I mean. I see that in like uh, I feel like Marvel's doing that with like X Men and yeah, um, you know. But like even yours, which is like not in the superhero. I mean, I feel like there's like a 
a direct line between like the superhero genre and the noir genre. Yes, and absolutely. I'm saying I'm saying it without saying it, but Batman. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, there is there is a direct line there of like this this person who this person who is greater than their world in some way. Yes. Like, just like, but also has to like be affected by the world even though yes. they're greater than the world they have to be affected by it and i feel like your book has a lot of that and how but how was it also like you know getting in that time period for yourself because that must have been like you know a difficult thing to do yeah yeah it was it was definitely a lot of work i mean specifically like doing a period in something mm-hmm. as sort of stylized in the 1930s that that's always going to be a lot of work but specifically right. the book takes place about around Chinatown, it takes place, uh, it, it wants to focus on the the shadow that the immigration ban, you know, uh, gave upon the people in Chinatown about mm-hmm. this generation of Americans and Chinese Americans specifically, where mm-hmm. all they knew was that immigration ban. And mm-hmm. so there isn't a lot, there's barely anything written about that. And so mm-hmm. a lot of what I had to do was I had to you know, I had to kind of triangulate and Tetris a bunch mm-hmm. of different sources together. And, you know, some stuff about immigration, some stuff about Chinatown culture, some stuff about the 1930s and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, overlap and find and find out where the Venn diagram of it all sort of intersected and kind of base my story around that. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of that, you know, just trying to get the world down. And then mm-hmm. there was the, hey, let me read some old, you know, Dashiell Hammett and Philip Marlowe, mm-hmm. just so it feels, take all that and then make it feel like noir. So, and it's one of the great things I love about comics is that you can kind of work modularly. You can kind of work in layers in that way. Mm -hmm. You can figure out what the scene is, you know, do some dialogue, your artist will draw it, and then you can kind of come back in and then do another pass of dialogue. And then when the letter comes in, you can tweak it a little bit more just because you're constantly calibrating the the story so it feels more of of its time. Right. And... Yeah, I, I, but I want to know too how emotionally it felt for you, if that's okay. Like, sure. I mean, because like one of the things that I feel like I remember vividly seeing the movie Selma and just getting yeah. like this rage in me yeah. that I didn't even know was there, or like even Watchmen, watching like a lot of the history stuff they did, just like you know, it affects it affects it affects you, especially if um, you're the demographic who was like yeah affected in that and like i can only imagine it being even more powerful writing this being the person who has to like really be in that space more it is and, I, and i'm glad you're it's glad you're asking that and i'm happy and thankful you're asking that I, it you know i mean i think when i first started the project it was hard it was a hard project to start mm-hmm. because it it was depressing and i definitely was in a dark place because there mm-hmm. were so many even before covid there were so many parallels to where we're right. at now and mm-hmm. so and and so and and part of the arc of the character and arc of the story is that you know is to the degree that Hark can kind of find redemption and hope sort of through where he's at and so right. writing it got easier as Hark had to confront the questions that he needed to confront but mm-hmm. in the beginning just in, in building that world it was really emotional it was very um it, it's it's a it's a hard thing for me to talk about and not mm-hmm. like you know get emotional about right. um you know and 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 it definitely all kind of you know crept up again you know mm-hmm. with covid and with sort of stop asian hate i you know it's interesting um my last book infidel was 
you know, that was very much about uh, xenophobia and about the conversation mm -hmm. that America needed to have about xenophobia and what right. and what and what gaslighting and racism and xenophobia look and Islamophobia look like in liberal communities. Mm -hmm. And and that book, you know, was pitched in 2016 is pitched in a time before Trump and came out mm -hmm. during a time of Trump. And it was seen as very prescient and very timely. And mm -hmm. the good Asian also when it came out, it was seen as very prescient and very timely. Mm -hmm. And so and, and that, you know, for me has had a little bit of emotional toll because it was stuff that was very depressing when I was sort of going through it. And, and to find that, you know, and I knew this intellectually, but to see it echoed, you know, on my news feed and on the news of just yeah. how little things have changed, it is, you know, that, that, that has definitely has sort of affected emotionally and it's part of like how I manage it as I write. And I think the other thing that the book taught me that I didn't realize, and I think Hark was a good place to chat to channel it was mm -hmm. I don't think I realized I knew but I don't think I really knew how angry I was you mm -hmm. know I think the book became a, a place to and, and in that way there's a little bit of self-preservation I feel like you need to do as sort of a person of color sometimes where mm -hmm. you have to or, or any marginalized community where you mm -hmm. have to allow yourself to a certain extent to forget the past Right. Because sometimes the weight can feel so overwhelming mm -hmm. if, if you carry it around with you. And so mm -hmm. to have to live with it every day, to have to live with the research, to have to live with that. And so, you know, the book in many ways balances that, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, because it is noir, the genre of noir gives a quote unquote safe space to talk about dark issues, to talk about challenging mm -hmm. issues and do it in a way that's still hopefully captivating and fun and entertaining. And that also be kind of kind of became my antidote through a lot of it. Because mm -hmm. I think just, you know, the just the bare facts is sort of is heavy. And right. and I think in terms of emotionally, that's kind of how I sort of, you know, felt felt about it. It was trying to find, you know, ways sort of not to have it keep me down. And also sort of to rediscover this anger and also to figure out, okay, where where can I point it? What can I do with it? And I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could, what could I say more than you? You said that I was just like, oh yeah, that's how I, that is it. No, it's, and it's, it's a thing that needs to talk, be talked about more because I feel like outside of those marginalized communities yeah. that I talked about, it's always the convert, people always like attach it to what's going on right now. Yeah. Like they attach it to like the recent problems where a lot of the creators aren't even writing, like they were writing it years before that and they yeah. were writing it. And there's this like always this like oh wow I learned a lot from <laughs> this book and I wow I didn't realize from like usually white audiences are like yeah. wow I didn't even know it was like this there it's like yeah it's always been like this it's always been there and it's always been front and center <laughs> yeah and there's always the fear you know with the hashtags mm -hmm. with the protests with the marches that it's just a fad that it's performative yeah and so like oh, yeah. you know like so even even now like the book launched really big when it came out because it was at the height of all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. it's months sort of since then now and and there's there is absolutely this fear is sort of my part is like has the american public just kind of moved on this you know it's it i in the past four years of this last administration how much of activism was a fad how you know mm -hmm. how much was it a movement how much of it was a moment and i think mm -hmm. we're still trying to figure that out we're still trying to see and you know I, and i know just speaking for myself like I do worry that, you know, the book, when we launched the book in single issues was the most 
receptive time for it mm -hmm. because that's when all the news was about it and now they people have kind of moved on to the next thing and i don't know right. but that's always so sort of the fear when you're when you're talking about this kind of stuff and i feel like that's also a symptom of quote unquote woke culture mm. is like it's it's woke it's woke culture for what's cool what's the thing to like um be woke about yeah and it's like, performative it, as opposed to performative yeah. yeah and it's like it's it's only woke for you're only woke except the people who are affected by it like people are affected right, right. it's just their regular everyday life i saw this this hilarious meme during the um black lives matter movement last year which is like this woman getting like a bunch of texts on her phone and her friend being like oh my god what's happening she's like it's fine my white friends are just realizing racism just <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. just re realizing racism racism exists <laughs> and i saw that i'm like yeah <laughs> yep that's that's it that's the one that's the one it's like yeah i like yeah this is my life it's not it's not a new it's not a um recent thing that just yeah. happened because you saw it on the news or right. you're on Twitter. No, it's, it's, and I feel like, um, books like yours does a great job of being like, this was, that was the 1930s and tell me what's the difference there. Yeah. What's the difference? What's, what's, what's new now? What's, yeah. um, new what's happening? The, the resistance isn't new. It's just being recorded now. Right. We just yeah. all have, phones to see it on and all that stuff but like I mean it's it's great that we get like a book like yours to like really just show us in 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 a way that I think graphic novels have the power of doing where it's books are great books you get to put your imagination on stuff yeah like literature I would never say anything bad about literature on this <laughs> podcast ever remember that on this podcast ever, <laughs> in quotations um no I'm joking I, I would never say anything bad about it but graphic novels you're seeing it too there's like no like hiding in your imagination about oh this this doesn't this I can't see it so it can't hurt me um it's it's there it's front and center you're seeing the vis you're seeing a visual element of it and it makes it a little bit more real for the readers and i think yeah. that's important to get um no i mean that was that wasn't a question was it that was just <laughs> like a statement there um and i mean and i for like uh, other writers who are who are writing about this who are writing about like stuff that might be you know traumatic in a way like in a way that like brings up this this generational trauma that you don't even realize might be even there how did you like you know separate yourself from it during writing it like get time be able to step away from it and not let it like overwhelm you that is a really 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 good question um i i you know i don't know first of all i there's a degree to which I don't know how much we can separate ourselves mm -hmm. from it. I think part of the behavior that we learn is how to push on and do what we do despite it. And so right. we blunt ourselves, mm -hmm. you, you know, we, we mute ourselves to a lot of it. We blunt, we blunt aspects of it. So I think part of our, you know, learned response is mm -hmm. like, you know, like I, <clears throat> it's one of the things that I think is interesting, you know, to, the conversation about racism that's happening sort of right now is right. that different groups have different responsibilities mm -hmm. and, 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 and their responsibilities come from the group. So, you know, there are a lot of white Caucasian creators who, you know, they, they want to take part in that conversation as well as well right. they should. And you'll see the recurring theme of 
these people are bad, we need to sort of denounce them. These people are racist, we need to denounce the racism in, in our community. And that's great and I applaud that. And I think that is a very powerful statement to be made sort of from, mm. sort of from, from white people, you know, of varying sort of privilege. Right. But as a writer of color, as a person of color, if I, I wouldn't leave my house if I didn't have to, if I didn't have to d deal with a certain amount of racism, I would never leave the house, you know? Right. And it's part of like, as a person of color, that's just something you take, you you set your own line of how much racism is good and how much racism is bad, but it's all kind of there, you know? Right. And, and some of it's benign and some mm. of it's just cultural inertia, but mm. it's all part of there. And so to draw this hard line in the sand of saying no racist, again, I applaud people who do that, but for a person of color, it's not quite as, pardon the phrase, black and white as, as that. And right. so, and so every group brings, I think, their own sort of perspective and their sort of way of handling it in that in there. And I, mm -hmm. one of the things about the good Asian, and it's something the book tries to, be, tries to get informed for, in, in from my interpretation of where the Asian community is at, is the Asian community and being an Asian American male, you know, we're at an interesting spot where, listen, I have more privileges than some, I have mm -hmm. less privileges than others. So on the one hand, I am sympathetic to some aspects and not as sympathetic as, as others. And, 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 and I, you know, it's not, I have a, uh, I have a certain amount of privilege that sort of stands in the middle in terms mm. of a lot of these other factors. And so much of the book was just about like, you know, that perspective, I guess, sort mm. of from, from the middle in terms of, you know, this is what was happening to the Asian American community. This is what's happening to Chinese American community. It was, mm. you know, African Americans were treated worse. Native Americans were treated worse, and and that is also something that I found interesting. That's something that seems to be happening. You know, it took I think the Stop Asian Hate hashtag and and the attacks to sort of happen. Where I think for a long time, Asian Americans and specifically woke Asian Americans did not want to talk about their experience because they felt like my experience isn't as bad. Like Black people have have had it way worse than us. Native right. Americans have had it way worse than us. Who am I to complain about our experience when there are people mm -hmm. who had it way worse than us? And I think part of sort of what this past year and a half has shown and has gotten people to talk about is that, well, this that is true, but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean that, that that should get ignored and, or not right. talked about as well. And so right. it's part of like, all right, how do we have these conversations in a way that you know moves the ball forward, that, 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 that hopefully aggregates to something useful and beneficial? And... I mean, one of the things that I love to say is that it's not the oppression Olympics. No one is. Yeah. There, there's no gold award for it. Uh, there yeah. is nothing. There's, we're all, we're all, <laughs> we're all not. If we, if you're, if we are saying, "Hey, my oppression or your oppression is worse," the only one who wins there is the oppressors. Like it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's all, it's all oppression. It's all oppression. Yeah. It's all like things that were done to all groups are not okay, are never okay. Yeah. And I mean, you're, I think you're right in the sense of like, there is that ideal from especially older generations of like, eh, I don't, I don't want to talk about it because like, and there was, a, there was the issue of like, we couldn't talk about it because what, right. what could they do? There was, it yeah. seemed help, hopeless in a lot of ways, yeah. or it seemed like, oh, we've seen people try to change things and this is the best it's going to get right. kind of a mentality that needs to change. And then there's, I mean, I want to bring it back to the book and like with Edison, I feel like there's a lot of the embodiment of like, you know, that 
bottling up of rage of yeah. seeing so much of like what's going on and it coming out in this like self-loathing very like um very what's the word i'm looking for cynical vibe yeah so and i and i think that's important to see in a character like that because a lot of us feel that a lot of us feel that and yeah. how you were saying like it sometimes if you were to like why feel or if you were to like i'm gonna avoid this day i wouldn't leave i wouldn't leave the house yeah I, and i mean i feel i think i see that in edison too that's cool i uh, thank you i i think you know i i like writing edison i i find him interesting for a bunch of different reasons you know he i think it is common amongst I, actually, I shouldn't say it's common. I certainly know enough Asian Americans who, and I certainly feel this, that ask, am I Asian enough? Am I American enough? You know, where do I sit? You know, with, how long is this hyphen that, you know, mm. separates those two aspects of my identity? And where do I stand along this relatively short, yet seemingly long hyphen? Right. Uh, and what is my allegiance? And by being, you know, having more loyalty to one, am I do I have less loyalty to it, to the other? Mm -hmm. And Edison, the thing I like about writing him is that in hopefully in the tradition of good genre work and it, in hopefully in the tradition of good genre work, it takes real internal things and externalizes them and heightens them. So we can look at them in a different way. And, and you know, it's a it's a funhouse mirror in which we we view ourselves. And and so he externalizes this idea of as a cop, as as a Chinese American cop at that time his responsibility or his job more often than not and this and this was a precedent for other chinese american policemen at the time they in hawaii they were undercover cops they were cops that went into the chinese community a lot of times opium and gambling dens mm -hmm. and they once they were there they could you know see who the big troublemakers were they would report back to the other cops and when those cops would raiding were raiding the premises they would know who the big troublemakers to look out for was and so he was sort of weaponized against his community at the same time though he took that job to to help his community to you know to be that bridge and so and, that, and that's a lot of where you know that's one of the places where the term the good asian comes from where he was on the side of the law but the law wasn't necessarily on the side of his community. And so it one of the things I like about writing Edison is that he takes hopefully, you know, what, a, what I certainly know, a, a, what a lot of Asian American people and men that I know have sort of experienced or feel about this, you know, am I Asian enough? Am I not Asian enough? Am I American enough? Am I not American enough? And adopting the perspective of a world that says, you know, as an Asian man, you're less than. And mm -hmm. so he, because he is part of this police system, despite what he believes, you know, there's a part of him that believes that even as his, he's rebelling against that. And that's a lot of where the self-loathing comes from. That's a lot of where the burnout comes from. And mm -hmm. again, it was a uh, nice, and that's part of where the fun is of, oh, here's a genre that, get, that has a bunch of tools and has a bunch of tropes and tricks and mm -hmm. a nice sort of like basket of fun things we can do that uses right. the, the aspects of a self-loathing person. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and I can put him sort of through all those machinations. It can still mm -hmm. sort of classically be a noir, but hopefully it, it explores something that I haven't seen anyway, explored mm -hmm. in, in, in much fiction and certainly not in comics. 
I mean, that's always that's always a good goal of writers that I hear is like to see to write stuff you haven't seen, to write to be the person. Yeah. If, if you, um, one thing so, uh, someone told me once, it's like if you haven't seen it and you complain about it, you do it. Like you yeah. be the person who does do that. And it's always, I mean, it's always like uh, it, it it hurts sometimes to be like, I, why haven't I seen this? Why haven't I? gotten to be the person who gets to you know wake up and see representation of how I feel on there but you know it's like you paid forward you're doing it for you're doing it so someone else doesn't have that same feeling in the future yeah 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 exactly exactly what I'm saying is you're an angel in your your (laughs) one-way trip to heaven like your congrats congratulations your tickets in the mail (laughs) um you got you got a good first class seat too congratulations like thank that's you, not thank you, thank that's you. not easy to get that's not an easy one to get well no, we'll, I mean, we'll 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 see if it, you know it's one of those things <laughs> of just like you talk about being the first and you're only the first if other people are following you you know right. so like, yeah that's true so, that is true then you're, otherwise you're the outlier otherwise yeah. you're the weird <laughs> uncle at the picnic right. so so we'll see how much of that ends up ends up happening but like well, all cool. i can say is that like you know i you know, I would love to be part of a tradition. Like Toni Morrison mm. famously right. wrote because she wanted to see, she wanted to write the stories that she never read, you right. know? And so that's a great tradition to be a part of. And mm. I would be so lucky to, to consider myself part of that tradition. I mean, Toni, Toni Morrison, you heard it here first, guys. Pornsex is <laughs> going to be the next Toni Morrison. <laughs> and I'm ready. And I will say, wow, I met the next Toni Morrison. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that on oh, in the God. bio of this episode, the next Toni Morrison. I, <laughs> no, I mean, that, that big shoes to fill, but I believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate no that. No, I mean, no, it's, we should all aspire to be the next Toni Morrison yeah, in that yeah. aspect of like, we're, we're going to change the world. We're going to change yeah. how people see this thing. And I mean, that's so important in both small and like in both small and big ways. Like there's, there's no, there's, you know what, there's actually no small way to do that. And I think like, especially in a graphic novel form where stereotypically, I mean, there is that stereotype in graphic novels, which I vehemently hate that like, it's a, it's a, and this is not true at all. Know that I don't believe this at all, <laughs> but there's that stereotype that is a lesser medium because it's like seen as more fun. It's seen yeah. as a superhero genre. It's seen as like, just like campy um, heroes and spandex doing stupid things like, I don't know, Superman and saving a cat in a tree or something i don't know what they i don't know I don't but the thing i i the thing i and i i totally understand that people who are because lord knows i've worked with a lot of people who are frustrated sort of by that label the thing that i've right. always loved about that label is that it gives us the opportunity to be subversive exactly it gives us the opportunity to you know expand things and mm-hmm. it's also a grand tradition you know they said the same they've always said the same thing about genre fiction they, they used to, at one point, in, you know, I believe in the 19th century, they say, said the same thing about prose because it was the mm. inferior form compared to poetry. So it's a really, and, and they said the same thing about American fiction. So it's a right. great tradition to sort of, in my, in my opinion, to be a part of. I mean, and I, I am a fan. I am a person yeah. who sees it and it's like, I mean, I feel like it's changing with like, yeah. I don't want to just say Marvel, but like, but like even like, um, stuff like like Watchmen we were talking about earlier yeah. a tv show that like gate said oh this is about 
racism this is about yeah. like the stereotypical racism and like the x-men have always been that like yeah. voice of like um uh discrimination how what that looks like in this in the specific universe yeah but i mean like there's a lot of that idea of like we can now we can people are saying oh this medium is bigger than what we thought it could be and it and i feel like in a hundred years people look back and see these graphic novels as like a timeless piece of like just what the world was like in this time yeah. period and what it looks like i mean even even comic books you look like 60 years ago and you're like wow that says a lot about that time period and yeah. like, what's, what's happening then so i mean what i'm saying is your work will be immortalized um museums <laughs> i appreciate museums, that museums museums it'll have for you um, <laughs> no i mean no i hope i hope that's true honestly because like <laughs> things like this needs to be talked about and like i mean for all the teachers out there listening i know the i know you're there because you reach out to me and i love that and keep doing that but um for all the teachers listening maybe look at this as like maybe a piece of curriculum working curriculum to teach about this time period which i'm laud too many history books leave out and like and and one one thing other thing that i love about it too and you can correct me if you think that um that if you correct me if you have another opinion on it but like students i mean younger people love especially the ones who don't read love comic books for that reason and graphic novels because it's not just reading it's it's yeah it's a visual and it's a visual medium for them too which makes it like you know easier and fun more fun yeah. and reading yeah people don't know this reading could be fun reading it's <laughs> reading can be fun well, I'm definitely one of those delinquents where most of everything I've learned, I've learned from comics. And so, That's great. And, and so, you know, and, and, and so I definitely infuse that spirit in the book. So like, you know, in the book we have sort of, you know, this, the, narr the narrative in and of itself. And, but mm -hmm. at the end, we also have historical notes about sort of like expanding on the history of the Chinese Exclusion Act, or, mm -hmm. you know, we get in, in our second chapter, we get into the Chop Suey Club Circuit of the 1930s, mm -hmm. um, you know, timeline of immigration and all that kind of stuff so you know the the book the book definitely wants to be entertaining but it also wants to be educational in that sense mm -hmm. and hopefully it does that in, in an entertaining way so the story is a noir it is a thriller but it mm -hmm. also comes with sort of the notes that i have that kind of adds context so that right. you know that so i don't have to force the narrative to be a exactly. lesson and it can just sort of sit on its own I mean, and that, and that stems from like books like, I mean, so many books that we had to read in yeah. school did that, right? Yeah. The Odyssey yeah. is about, yeah. I don't know, infidelity and the patriarchy. Um, yeah. Wow, did I say that about the Odyssey? No, 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 no one's going to say that. No, but I mean, like, Great Gatsby is about like yeah. classism and homoeroticism. I mean, what? Again, <laughs> where is this coming from? That's, it's not me saying any of this. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the, what I'm saying is you can learn anything from, stories that's yeah. how we told that's how it all started stories stories yeah. started it all so thank you for continuing that grand tradition of telling <laughs> how things should be through stories um sadly 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 we have to wrap up but the last thing i want to ask you is what would you say to writers who like want who are go want to write graphic novels maybe graphic novels are yeah, let's click with graphic novels. Graphic novels about like a story that shares their experience, their whether it be generational, personal, or any kind of like 
thing that they say, oh, this is something that relates to me in some sort of way. And I want to like, make this come across in this story that I want to write. Uh, what would I say to them? Well, if they want to write graphic novels specifically, what I would say to them is uh, be a friend to artists. Um, you know, mm -hmm. champion artists every chance you get. Um, you know, the ability to make your book will come down to your relationship with your artists. And mm -hmm. sometimes that, that relationship means the amount of money you can pay your artists. And sometimes mm -hmm. that relationship means just your personal relationship of, oh, I can't pay, pay you that much, but this is this project that we both really believe in. And so I'm mm -hmm. willing to split ownership with you and all that. So in terms of like the nuts and bolts of it is mm -hmm. what I would tell a writer who's interested in, in talking about that. It, doing a graphic novel specifically, I I would say befriend to artists sort of in general, give, keep giving and it will eventually sort of come back. Uh, in terms of just someone, you know, sort of telling a story, I guess, just in general, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say anything too profound um, that I'm sure everyone else hasn't sort of said, but I, you know, I, I think, we're in a really interesting time right now where people want to hear different perspectives and want to mm -hmm. hear other perspectives and that is freeing. And so, and, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think there's a quid pro quo to that. Mm -hmm. um, and which is to say that, tell that story, tell your story. And sometimes it's your golden ticket and sometimes it's not, but even if it's not, that's not, a that's not a reason not to keep telling those telling those stories. It's it's a chorus that needs to be built. That's wow, great advice. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you say you didn't want to say anything profound, and then you say something <laughs> profound. Wow, wow. You know, a liar. I'm joking. Yeah. No, you did. You said something profound. Congratulations, oh, you. you did it. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you. you. I, I win. You win. Yes. No, I, no, no. Thank you again so much for all the listeners. You can now pick up the good Asians at skylight books. It'll be on our podcast display. If you've been and you've seen it, if not, it's right at the front of the store. Um, you'll see, a you'll see the little, um, tag saying the good Asian listen to our podcast. So if you bring friends, tell them to listen to the podcast. Um, no, but thank you. And if you want to see a preview of it, um, it'll, we'll have a preview link in our um, bio for the episode and we'll post it on our social media too so check out check out a preview not the whole thing because you know where you can get that skylight books <laughs> or anywhere else, or your your local independent bookstore you can get it from them too um please support your independent bookstores um Hornsick, do you have anything you would like to say to our listeners or any last things you'd like to say to them uh, or no, the independent uh... bookstore community in whole uh well thank uh the, the bookstore community as a whole i hope you ordered the book thank you for ordering the book if you did i think there's there'll be an audience for it um you can find me on twitter at real underscore porn sack and on instagram at real underscore psack and uh but yeah no just thank you for the time more than anything else no thank you for coming on this has been a great episode to listen to and to all my listeners out there i hope you have a beautiful day stay cool hopefully you know we're not either either hopefully you're not underwater or on fire that's the dream right that's yeah. that's the goal right now but no i hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and you know do something nice for yourself today thank you and goodbye 
Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.